Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fulmal Alchemist by Hiromu Arkawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're going to be discussing chapters 50 and 51. Yay! Yay! Yay. But first, we have an announcement. Whoa. Oh no, what is it? <laughs> the world is ending. What? <laughs> the world's been ending for a year. Yes. In case you didn't know. <laughs> so, in a couple of episodes, so this is episode 22, in episode 27 will be a special episode. We'll be about every, about halfway through the series. It's not exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slightly past, but slightly past. But after a good stopping point. So, we'll be about halfway through the series. So, we thought it'd be a good idea to go ahead and do a little recap about everything that's happened and what we've learned so far in the story. And also, if you have questions for us about, um, you know, things in the story that have happened so far, I guess, because we don't really talk about spoilers on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, because I haven't read it yet. Also, I really appreciate the fact that nobody sent any questions with spoilers, so <laughs> thanks. Or, like, messages with spoilers so yeah. far. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll be doing a little bit of a recap, so if you want to send us any questions about the series so far, or... Um, I mean, anything about us in the past on our other, the podcast that Kayla and I host about Fruits Basket. Um, we answered questions about us and like our background and just podcasting in general. So if you have any questions, you feel free to send them our way. You can send us a direct message on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at EquivXPod. So E-Q-U-I-V-E-X-P-O-D. Uh, same on Tumblr, so you can send us direct messages on Tumblr. Uh, you can go to our website, which is staytogethernetwork.com, and use the little form there. Or you can send us an email at equivxpod at gmail.com. <sighs> Good work. <laughs> Thanks. Very I mean, nice. <laughs> I used I used all of the air that I had in my lungs to say that. <laughs> so yeah, feel free to send us a question. We'll be chatting about the series so far, what happened, and kind of, I guess, may, perhaps predictions. I mean, you guys already know what happened. Maybe I'll give mm-hmm. my predictions. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And we'll be at, um, that'll be after chapter 61. So if you want to know where to stop so you don't spoil poor Ellen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't spoil me. I'll be so sad. It's okay. By then I'll probably have read ahead. Of there. Did we give the dates and deadlines? I said it was like, it's like five episodes from now. Oh, sorry. We yeah. didn't give the date date. The Yeah. So send us questions by April 3rd. We'll be recording around then. Probably like right after that. So send questions by april 3rd and i'll post when it gets closer i'll send i'll do another reminder and i'll also post on our social media so everybody will have plenty of opportunity to send us questions yep mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be a good time i enjoyed our recaps for uh for Rubo. we did one in the middle and one at the end mm-hmm. and that was good mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's fun to like look back at everything especially in fma it's gonna be crazy like so many things yeah. have happened well, beginning it was like we're gonna fix our bodies and now it's like the military is crazy yeah <laughs> Also, Lanfan cut off her arm. So many things happened. And Scar was like the only villain. <laughs> yeah, it'll be cool time. to back and like, see how everyone has changed so far. and mm-hmm. See if we catch some foreshadowing that we missed on the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay, Forrest. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forgot that you know. <laughs> You're like, doesn't everyone? <laughs> All right, so yeah, that should be fun. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, we're going to do our uh, usual jam of uh, <laughs> you know, to recap and discussion. I was going to say you're going to play trumpet, Kassen's going to play the harmonica, <laughs> yes. and I'm going to play the fiddle. Is that, is that what's happening? Yes. 
All right, good. I'm ready. Bowie plays the scream. <laughs> <laughs> he has he has his own instrument. It's his voice. <laughs> Still sit tone. He has the most beautiful instrument of all. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> so chapter fifty opens with Ed furiously attacking Envy for calling him small again. <laughs> Wait a sec, I don't want to fight you, little boy, Envy says, holding up their hands. <laughs> Ed swings again. That's five times, he shouts. Envy asks what the heck he's talking about. Once now, once before makes two, and you call me little three times at lab number five. Don't tell me you forgot. <laughs> Envy beholds his fury with a disbelieving look. What an amazing memory. <laughs> Ed continues in his short rage to try and attack Envy until Al holds him back and tells him not to provoke them. <laughs> Boy's got a temper, Envy observes. Then tells the upset gluttony that Mustang doesn't seem to be around anymore, and anyway, he's not allowed to eat him anyway. <laughs> he is, however, more than welcome to eat Ling. The Flame Colonel and the Elric brothers are off limits, but help yourself to Ponytail Boy over there, Envy tells him with an eager grin. This doesn't frighten the boys, though. I guess there's some hope after all, Ed says. They still want us alive. And now points out that gluttony has calmed down a bit, too. With an unspoken plan quickly coming together, Ed transmutes a wall from the ground to separate the combatants. Ed and Al against gluttony, and Envy against Ling. He's all yours, Ed calls out, and both sides rush their homunculus opponents. Envy fends off Ling's swift sword attacks and compliments his abilities. Now I see how you were able to cross swords with King Bradley and live to tell the tale. Thanks, he is a worthy foe, Ling says. Unlike you, who leaves his defenses wide open. Ling strikes quickly and cuts deep into Envy's side. But Envy grins. You fell for it, they say, as their right arm extends and twists to wrap around Ling's sword arm and then his neck. A clever gambit, taking the hit to go for the kill, Ling says through gritted teeth as he struggles to loosen the hold around his neck. We both know I'd never beat you man to man, Envy says. But then, I'm no man. Why limit myself to fighting like one? Envy's arm transforms further, the end becoming a hissing snake with long fangs. So, would you prefer to be crushed to death or bitten to death, Envy asks. Then their other arm becomes a sharp blade. Or would you rather I slice you to pieces? Ling continues to struggle, dropping his sword as Envy's grip tightens around his arm. He gives an uneasy grin. Well, I've always been partial to slicing. He digs his toe into the ground and quickly kicks the dirt up into Envy's eyes. As Envy squints and staggers, Link grabs the transformed blade arm and uses it to cut through the snake arm, freeing himself. He snatches his sword back up and slashes Envy from hip to shoulder before they can recover. Envy, presumably healing from another death now, gripes that that was a dirty trick. As a potential heir, I've had to deal with attacks from assassins all my life, Ling says. I had no choice but to become strong and wily. I should use Wiley more in my daily I know. speech. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he tries to convince Envy to just surrender and give him information about the Philosopher's Stone, but Envy is pissed off now. I won't allow a mere human to look down on me, they snarl. Never underestimate humans, homunculus, Ling bites back. Meanwhile, Ed and Al are trying to figure out a way to contain gluttony without much success. They transmute a well to drop him in, but he just uses his freaky, stretchy ribcage <laughs> to push himself back out. <laughs> it's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, in frustration, just runs forward to start punching and kicking as usual. Go away, Gluttony complains. I'm not allowed to eat you. I want to eat the Shin guy. <laughs> Al manages to get behind him and grab him by the arms. Er, now what do I do with him? He doesn't have time to figure that out, however, as Gluttony calmly reaches up and flings Al over his shoulders, sending him crashing into Ed and both of them skidding into Ling's side of the battle. <laughs> Come on, you two. Keep him busy long enough for me to finish off the other guy, Ling calls out, then quickly dodges another strike from Envy. He slices through Envy's thigh, and Envy crashes to the ground, landing on her back. Ling prepares to make another killing strike with his sword, but Envy smirks and begins to change shape. And with Lanfon now in front of him, Ling goes wide-eyed and hesitates. 
Gluttony moves in eagerly to take advantage, and then several things happen all at once. Ed mutters, you idiot, and runs to try and tackle Ling out of the danger zone. Envy realizes that Gluttony is about to swallow one of their human sacrifices, and jumps up to try and stop Ed. Al reaches out for his brother, and then Gluttony swallows everything in front of him. When the dust settles, Ed and Ling are gone. Envy has been cut clean in half, with the bottom half of the body rapidly disintegrating. And Al, his hand missing, is left standing alone with Gluttony. Oops, I ate them, Gluttony says, looking worried as his body begins to return to normal. Al lunges forward, grabbing Gluttony's protruding ribs and shouting for him to bring back his brother and Ling. But the ribs are already shrinking back, the void in Gluttony's stomach knitting itself back together. Too late, he says. I ate them. I just realized that Al's holding those ribs like you would hold someone with, by the collar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't have a collar at the time. <laughs> he's got old shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally holding his to, collar. He's trying to keep it open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, that does make sense. Al staggers back, trembling. This can't be, he says, dropping to his knees. Big brother, no! Safely back in the city, Nox has set Lanfon up in his own home, resting in his bed with an IV hooked up to her arm. It's a shabby old man's room, but at least it's better than that shack, he says, as he tidies up a bit of the sea of decay from the floor. <laughs> He has that there are other rooms in the house, but he hasn't used them since his wife and kid left, so the neighbors will get suspicious if the lights are on. You don't want your whereabouts known, right? Oh, thank you very much, Lon Fon says weakly. Don't thank me. I did my duty as a doctor. Nothing more, Knox insists. He lights a cigarette and settles into a nearby chair. Just hurry up and get better. But Lon Fon struggles to sit up instead. This is no time to be lying down. I must go to my prince. Don't be a fool, Knox says harshly. What can you do in your condition? Lanfon looks over at him, and she catches a glimpse of herself in a mirror against the wall. She reaches up and brushes her fingers over the bandages where her arm used to be. My arm, she says shakily. It really is gone. She lies back down, gritting her teeth and covering her eyes as she fights against the tears now flowing down her cheek. Knox looks down. I'll watch your IV, he says. Get some sleep. Meanwhile, Roy and Risa are preparing for their own battle. As they change back into their military uniforms and make sure their weapons are at the ready, Roy lays out the situation. First, I need to learn who my enemies are within Central HQ. I can't force their hand just yet. I'll have to play along a while longer. Meanwhile, I'll keep looking for allies on the outside. When the time comes, the truth will spur even those who are neutral into action. The enemy might already be aware that I've come into contact with Gluttony. We must be cautious. They drive over to HQ, and as they exit the car, Roy considers the entryway that now seems to loom ominously before them. Is this the gateway to glory or the entrance to hell, he wonders. He tells Risa to wait here for him, and with a yes sir, she moves to stand at parade rest beside the car. Should anything happen to me, save yourself, he adds. No sir. That's an order, he insists. I can't obey that order, sir. Stubborn, aren't you, he says, frowning. An order must be obeyed whether you like it or not. You can always court-martial me, sir. I suppose I should appreciate your conviction, he says with a sigh, but then he smiles as he turns back toward the building. As you wish. I'll come back for sure, so wait for me. Risa salutes. Best of luck to you in battle, sir. <laughs> he waves casually over his shoulder as he heads in, but once inside, he quickly loses that bravado as he realizes he doesn't even know where to start with this. Who am I fooling? I'm talking about overthrowing the Fuhrer, he thinks to himself as he slumps against the wall in an empty hallway. He contemplates who among the higher-ups he should start with, noting that he still hasn't even confirmed for himself that Bradley is a homunculus, so he needs to be careful about rushing in. Before he can come to any kind of decision, another officer comes up from behind and cheerfully slaps Roy on the back, <laughs> shouting, Hey Mustang, how's it going? 
Roy promptly crumples to the floor, and the man laughingly apologizes. That's right, you were hospitalized until just the other day, right? Roy picks himself back up. Are you still working at this late hour, Lieutenant General Raven? He asks. Raven says that he was called out for an urgent meeting, and then the two chat for a bit about how Roy is doing. There are those here in Central City who dislike you, he says with a friendly smile, but I have high hopes for you. Roy remembers Hughes telling him to make sure and surround himself with people who support him, and he decides to test the waters. They chat a bit more as they walk together down the hall, about their shared admiration for Lieutenant General Grumman back east, where Roy recently transferred from, and how Roy is working hard to fit in in the big city here. So that's why you go on so many city inspections, Raven says. Yes, sir, and to do my part to keep the peace, Roy says. During my inspections, I often chat with the citizens. Sometimes the key to solving a case can be found in the seemingly trivial gossip that is often heard in town. Raven asks him if he's heard any interesting rumors lately. Well, sir, just rumors that are so ridiculously sound like jokes. For example, Scar was seen feeding a stray cat. Or that apparently a man has been seen around town who cannot be killed. Or that Fuhrer King Bradley is really a homunculus, sir. Raven is silent for a long moment. Then he begins to laugh, and Roy joins in, laughing with him. That's not funny, Mustang, Raven says when he's done. You're not very good at telling jokes. Roy insists that he wasn't the one who started the rumor, but Raven says that that kind of gossip would be good for a tea time chat. Our meeting is still in recess, he says, opening the door to the conference room. Come in. Roy urgently tries to protest that he would be out of place there, but Raven shuts the door behind them and loudly announces their presence. Gentlemen, Colonel Mustang just told me the most fascinating story. Listen to what he has to say. And Roy finds himself staring down a long table full of several of the military's highest-ranking officers, all regarding him coolly. Now, the joke you just told me. How did it go? Raven says. Ah, yes, I remember. It was about the Fuhrer being a homunculus. He stares down at Roy. Continue your story. Roy looks around, beginning to sweat, but before he can come up with a response, a new voice addresses him. Yes, Colonel, I'd love to hear this. The Fuhrer strides into the room. Do continue. So what if I am a homunculus? Is there a problem? Roy looks around the room in shock. He grits his teeth as sweat begins to pour down his face. Yes, now I understand what you meant, Hughes, he thinks to himself. When he said, the military's in grave danger, he wasn't talking about an external threat. This is what he was talking about. We cut back to Ed, who's lying in a pool of dark liquid in a dark, debris-filled void. He struggles slowly back to consciousness, carefully moving his limbs to make sure nothing is broken. Then he sits up and covers his nose. What a foul stench, he thinks. Why am I in this place? After a moment, he remembers the fight with gluttony and envy, and he remembers they were swallowed. And then he comes to the horrifying realization that he recognizes the awful smell. Is this blood? He cries out. He begins to slosh through it, making it his way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good uh, verb, rather. Yeah. This slosh was the word I was going to use anyway, but that's actually the sound effect they oh, used yeah. in the English translation. It's funny. Slosh, slosh. He begins to slosh through it, making his way past the mess of debris, ancient ruins, modern wreckage, and bones strewn about. And he shouts out as he goes, Al! Hey, is anyone here? Ling! But he gets no answer, so he clenches his fists and desperately cries out, Where am I? That's the end of chapter 50. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's in a bad place. It's real bad. Really bad. <laughs> Chapter 51 continues with Ed wading through the blood and screaming. <laughs> he grumps that Gluttony has some explaining to do, then shouts again, Al! Gluttony! Idiot Prince! <laughs> Who are you calling an idiot? Ed turns to see Ling, looking equally put out by their situation, tromping through the blood toward him and carrying a makeshift torch. 
That's no way to speak to the prince of a nation, he says. Ed hurries over, asking if he's okay, then stops short a few feet away. Hold on, you're not envy in disguise, are you? Do you want me to recite the entire room service menu, top to bottom, from the <laughs> hotel you guys were staying at? Okay, you're the real Ling, Ed allows, annoyed. <laughs> then Ling has his own turn. And how do I know you aren't the imposter, you lit- Who are you calling a little runt? <laughs> okay, you're the real thing. <laughs> that settled, they get back to the matter at hand, figuring out where the heck they are. Ling tells Ed that he had just tried walking straight in one direction for a while, but it was just total darkness with no end. That's ridiculous. Give me the torch, Ed says, snatching the torch from Ling's hand. Though he nearly drops it when he realizes it's made of a human bone. <laughs> I made it from the skeletons and debris I found, Ling explains. I almost lost my mind walking around this darkness. It's a good thing I found an open flame. Ed then wonders where all the fire came from, and Ling suggests it was from when Gluttony swallowed Roy's attack. Ha, so the colonel turned out to be useful after all, Ed <laughs> remarks. He then takes a moment to grapple with the idea that Gluttony actually swallowed them, and how they wound up in this place. There's no way the inside of his stomach is this big. But Ling points it's out the pieces. It's a TARDIS. You're on the inside. It all, <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> this is the doctor's new like redecorating scheme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, went, <laughs> he went through a goth phase in the 90s. <laughs> but Ling points out the pieces of the building they were hiding out in, and Ed spots the car Risa had been driving earlier. Are we really inside a stomach? Ed says, disbelieving. I don't know, but one thing's clear, Ling answers. If Envy wanted to let that thing swallow me, this can't be a very pleasant place. Ed then spots something that immediately catches his attention, and he hurries over to pick it up. Al's hand, lying on a piece of gouged-out forest floor. If it's just his hand, then that means the rest of his body isn't here, Ed says, sighing in relief. I guess Al's safe for now. He then thinks about how worried Al must be, and briefly tries to conveniently awaken any latent psychic powers he might have to try and communicate with his brother through the armor hand. <laughs> You're on your own, Ling says, distinctly unimpressed, as he walks away. With Al's hand now tied over Ed's shoulder, they keep walking and talking, trying to find an end, or at least figure out where they are. There are no stars, and Ling can't sense any living beings, so they're not outside, and all the ruins and human remains around them seem to be from different eras. I'm beginning to think that there's no exit from this place, Ling says uneasily. But Ed isn't having it. My motto is, if there's no exit, make one. Make one? Where? Ling asks. Ed pauses uncertainly for a moment, then points down. The ground. If nothing else, we know there's a floor. So a little while and a little alchemy later, they have a section of floor walled off from the river of blood for them to work with. Ed taps the ground with his foot, then reaches down to touch it. This is less like dirt and more like clotted blood, he says, rubbing some between his fingers. He stands up and puts his hands together. Let me see if I can at least put a hole in it. Rattling off the components of blood to himself, he performs the transmutation, and when they have a hole, he takes one of their torches and drops it down. They watch it fall into the darkness and wait. And wait. And wait. <laughs> I didn't hear it hit the bottom, Ed says. And they very quickly decide to continue running in one direction until they find a wall instead. <laughs> I really like the panels of them watching the <laughs> torch fall <laughs> and their <laughs> faces getting smaller and smaller. It's good. <clears throat> Meanwhile, May is searching everywhere for her missing tiny panda friend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> After calling for her from the rooftops for a while, she comes back to their camp and asks Yoki if she's come back yet. That black and white cat? I haven't seen it, he tells her. <laughs> he then suggests it might have been eaten by a wild dog, which sends May into absolutely gushing tears, and he frantically <laughs> says he was just kidding. 
Once she calms down, May begins to explain Xiao Mei's backstory. Xiao Mei isn't a cat. She's a panda that had a disease as a cub that stunted her growth. Because she didn't grow, the other pandas abandoned her, so I decided to take her with me. We've been like sisters ever since. We see Tiny May's memory of first encountering Xiao Mei out in the rain as she continues. My family, the Cheng Clan, is a low-ranking house that has almost no power within the 50 clans of the Xin Empire. Maybe that's why we were drawn to one another. We're both so powerless. In the beginning, it might have just been pity. But because we went through so much together, she's become an irreplaceable presence in my life. From a makeshift lean-to nearby, Scar silently listens in as May explains how she couldn't have gone through all she has without Shamay at her side, like crossing the desert into a mistress. What could be so important that you would risk your life to come to this country? Yoki asks. To obtain the secret of immortality, May answers, much to Yoki's confusion. Unless I bring back the method for attaining immortality and gain the favor of the Emperor, my clan will surely perish. Even if it might cost me my life, I'm not afraid. Not as long as Xiao Mei is with me. Xiao Mei. And then the waterworks begin again. <laughs> While Yoki tries to get her to stop crying, Scar suddenly emerges from the lean-to, throwing his hood up over his head. There's still time before sunrise, he says. If you're going to find the Xiao Mei of yours, it's better to search now when there are only a few guards. You're going to help me? May asks. I'm repaying you for healing my leg. May sniffs and wipes away her tears. He has a scary face, but he's a good person, isn't he? She says to Yoki. Well, his people, the Ishvalans, were wiped out in a civil war. I think he can identify with your concern for the fate of your clan. Scar looks over his shoulder and asks if she's coming or not, and May hurries after him. Yes, I'm coming, Mr. Yoki's servant. <laughs> he tells her not to call him that, and she asks for his name. I never tell anyone my name. Call me whatever you like. Then how about Mr. X? No, not that either. <laughs> Is it Mr. X the villain in a Resident Evil game? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I've never played any of the Resident Evil games. <laughs> I feel like Mr. X is like a forgotten X-Men. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone was, who was really uncreative when coming up with their code name. <laughs> it shows up at the, like, the Academy or whatever the fuck it's called. And it's like, like what's your name? They're like, Mr. X. <laughs> Isn't there Professor X? Professor X is, yeah, he's the main. Yeah, so it's just before he got his degree. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. <laughs> <laughs> A joke from the depths of my psyche. <laughs> Back in the stomach void, Ed has drawn the gun Risa gave him. He fires in one direction, then the opposite direction, then straight up into the air. Ling, who is sitting down watching him do this, comments that he didn't hear an echo from any direction. This can't be. How big is this place? Ed says. They get up and keep walking, and it's clearly beginning to take its toll on them. They complain about how tiring it is trudging through the blood, and how hungry they are. And they talk about the big meal and long nap they're going to have as soon as they get out. Then Ling's old collapsing in the street tendency comes back, and he slumps weakly against a fallen tree and says he's too hungry to go on. Ed tries to handle this in his usual way, insulting Ling for being pathetic and giving up and snapping at him to get moving again. <laughs> it's motivational. Yes. <laughs> Ling weakly tells Ed to just go on without him, and Ed grumps that maybe he will. <laughs> I'm not about to die in a place like this, he says, sloshing on ahead. But he keeps stopping and turning back around. <laughs> I really am going, you know. Seriously, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm leaving you there. Cut immediately to Ed, now holding the torch between his teeth and practically snarling with the effort of carrying Ling over his shoulder through the river of blood. <laughs> I thought you were going to go on by yourself, Ling remarks. 
There are people who are waiting for me to come back. I have no intention of dying here with you, Ed answers through panting breaths. But you have people waiting for you too, right? He then gripes that if Ling has the strength to talk, he should try walking again before tripping over a piece of rubble and sending them both into the disgusting drink. <laughs> they <laughs> probably like got up their noses and everything. I mean, probably got up their noses <laughs> the first time. Yeah. After a while, it probably would just be desensitized to the smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, it just be, I feel like the stickiness would be the it worst be, of it. Oh, so oh, yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. It's just so, the whole thing is bad. Yeah, I mean. Like guess, trying to move in wet clothes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Oof. it's like going to Blood soaked, sticky. It's going to dry. Clothes. Mm -hmm. Y'all crackly. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> They drag themselves into a flat piece of ruins jutting from the blood and flop down to rest for a while. They complain again about how tired and hungry they are, and Ed sits up to pull off one of his shoes and dump the blood out of it. Then, looking at it, he gets an idea. You know something, Ling? Leather goods are edible. I saw it in a movie when I was a kid. There was a scene of a shoe being boiled and eaten. Ling looks a little wary, both of where this idea is going and also of the grin on Ed's face. But his protest as Ed transmutes a pot from the debris around them and water from the blood fall on deaf ears. I can't believe it, Ling mutters. When I become the emperor, I'll slander you in the pages of Shin history as the man who fed a shoe to the emperor. <laughs> really? That's great. Edward Elric just carved his name into the history of Shin. <laughs> a little bit later, while they sit around their makeshift dinner pot, Ling apologizes to Ed. The only reason you're trapped here is because you tried to protect me. Ed, more focused on assessing the Blood River damage to his automail, dismisses that and says that he dealt with worse during his apprenticeship, which makes Ling slightly concerned about his childhood. <laughs> as he should be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the fact that I don't know where we are, but at least we're still healthy and can keep looking for an exit, Ed says. Link comments that he's quite the optimist, but Ed grins and says that he's just stubborn. If I even think about giving up, I'll have to deal with Al's iron fist and his yelling, so I can't afford to be pessimistic. He stands up and says they should get back to walking, which Link sighs over, but then something catches Link's attention and he tells Ed to wait. Something's coming, he says. And sure enough, the sound of sloshing footsteps draws closer, and then Envy emerges from the darkness. My, my, I saw the light and was wondering who it was. I should have known it'd be you. Ed is very quick to jump and try to bargain for a way out, much to Ling's disgust. <laughs> and the two start bickering over what they're willing to do for survival while Envy looks on. There is no exit, Envy eventually interrupts, sitting down on a nearby chunk of stone. What a mess. Gluttony was only supposed to swallow that shin brat, not me in full metal. Then we are inside Gluttony's stomach after all, Ling asks. We're inside his stomach, but at the same time we're not, Envy says. Then they ask Ed if he hasn't already worked out where they are. Now that you mention it, the moment when Gluttony swallowed me, I had a familiar feeling, Ed says, looking around again. You remember, don't you? Envy pushes. After all, it's happened to you before. Ed looks confused for a moment. Then he remembers the image of the eye within Gluttony, and his own eyes go wide. The portal of truth, he realizes. But that place wasn't dark or filled with a sea of blood. The portal was within a pure white space. Hmm, so that's what the real place is like, Envy says, looking only mildly interested. <laughs> this is, or rather, gluttony is, an artificial portal of truth created by Father. Ling is a little lost by all this portal of truth talk, but neither Ed nor Envy seem up to explaining at the moment. Envy just goes on to say that gluttony is the result of a failed experiment, as even someone with Father's power couldn't create a new portal. This is a place that exists between reality and truth. There is no exit, no way to leave. No one can get out of here. 
All that's left is for us to run out of strength and wait for our lives to end. We have no choice but to sit here and die. That cheery pronouncement upsets Ed and Ling quite a bit, who both start yelling at Envy to tell them it's a lie. And when Envy says nothing, they both have a moment of despair. If I die, what's going to happen to Al? Ed says shakily. We, we made a promise. That fear quickly starts to turn back into anger as Ed addresses Envy once more. You people keep talking about the portal and needing someone to open it. I want answers. Who is this father of yours who wants a portal so badly that he would try to create one? Is it Fuhrer Bradley? Bradley, Envy scoffs. Ha, how can a brat like him be our father? But they do confirm for Ed that Bradley is indeed another homunculus. Ed starts trying to put all the connections together again. This is bad. Lab number five. Philosopher's stones made from human lives. Homunculi. If the Fuhrer is involved, then the Fallen War must have something to do with it too, right? Envy smiles in genuine delight at that. Ishval, there's never been such a brilliant civil war. Do you remember what triggered the outbreak of the war? A military officer accidentally shot an Ishval and child, Ed answers, looking puzzled. Envy grins madly, putting a hand to their chest in pride as they declare, I, Envy, am the one who shot and killed that child. Ed's eyes widen in horror, and he stares as Envy continues their enthusiastic description of events. I watched the carnage of war ripple outward from a single bullet until it consumed the entire country. It was beautiful. Humans are such easy creatures to manipulate. It was very amusing. Oh, and by the way, when I did the shooting, I disguised myself as an officer who had been against the military's involvement in Ishval. The fool faced a military tribunal for what I did. I was able to start a civil war and eliminate the opposition in one fell swoop. How's that for killing two birds with one stone? Ed steps off the rock and begins slowly advancing on Envy, his fists clenched. So it was you, he says. You're the one who shot and killed that innocent child. You caused the civil war. You left the East Area in ruins, my hometown. You turned the Ishvalans into refugees. You caused a killer like Scar to be born. You caused the war that took the lives of Winry's parents. You're to blame. He hauls back his fist to strike Envy in the face, furious. But when the punch lands, Envy doesn't even flinch. Envy doesn't move or say anything for a moment, while Ed winces at the jolt to his shoulder and wonders what's going on. Then Envy glares at him, the sclera of one eye gone completely black. Do you want to fight, little brats? They say viciously. Envy's body begins to spark, and Ling urgently tells Ed to step back. We're all going to die here anyway, Envy says, as their body begins to elongate and warp horrifically. As a parting gift, I'll show you something interesting. As they watch this terrible change take place, Ling points out something he noticed while fighting Envy previously. The ground around their feet in the forest was oddly sunken in wherever they stepped, and in the city, Envy broke a metal fence they landed on, meaning that Envy must weigh quite a bit more than their size would indicate. And as they discuss this, Ed and Ling look up, and up, as Envy's true form takes shape. And it's a gruesome shape indeed, huge and monstrous. It resembles a giant lizard, but with too many limbs and, most horrifically, a writhing, dripping mass of vaguely human faces and body parts all along its neck and sides. When Envy speaks, the words come from these mouths as well, distorted and overlapping. My true form, Envy announces, and they lash out at Ed and Ling with tail and claws, sending them crashing back into the bloody pool around them. And all the voices within Envy call out, Don't look at me! Back out in the world, Al is at a loss. He sits still and silent in the forest, his head down. Xiaomei sits beside him, and Gluttony, now calmed back down to his usual state, shuffles uncertainly in front. I swallowed the human sacrifice, he says to Al, and I swallowed envy. What should I do? I don't know, Al says, barely looking up. Gluttony fidgets with his hands nervously. Father's going to be mad. That catches Al's interest. Your 
father? You have a father? The person who made the homunculi? Uh-huh, Gluttony says. Al reaches his hand out to touch Gluttony's abdomen, remembering Ed wondering where all the stuff he swallows goes to anyway. There must be some kind of trick to it. After all, someone created the homunculi, Al says. He clenches his fist in determination. That's right. I don't know that Big Brother is dead. We promised each other that we get our original bodies back together. I can't give up on him now. It's just like the colonel said. Don't be indecisive. Don't stop thinking. And don't give up on life. He stands up and turns back toward Gluttony. Take me there. Take me to your father. Meanwhile, the sun rises over Central City, and Risa continues to wait. That's the end of chapter 51. Okay. Everyone's still in not a great place. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no improvements. <laughs> Everything's actually worse. <laughs> I mean, I guess... No, no, no. No improvements from uh, 50. <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess Ed and Ling found each other, so that's slightly improved. And they found Envy. Yeah. It's like, but then it kind of got worse, so... <laughs> yeah. I thought that gluttony was horrifying until we read this <laughs> one, and I was like, I can't even with yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Envy's true form is one of the more horrific imagery imagery in the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really the panel that really freaks me out is the one where he's like completely in shadow. Except for oh, his, it's like, horrifying. Tail in the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his like eyes and teeth glowing. Are glowing. Yeah. <laughs> the one, one that... of those classic Arakawa solid black images with white glowing eyes the one mm -hmm. where envy is transforming and the mouth mm -hmm. is super long yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like on the bottom right hand corner of one of those pages mm -hmm. um like right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and his envy's arm is like uh the nail is like pointy and swole. it's turning black like that one's mm -hmm. horrifying yeah I do love how they look up and up and up, though. It's like yeah. three panels. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> that I enjoyed very much. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the longer you look at it, the worse it gets. As you like look at all I the know, and there's like a bunch of sticking out of it. faces, <laughs> and the fact that like the Envy's voice like comes from all of the faces and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, like they're not even mm -hmm. just attached. They're like whatever. And if you look at them, they're all like different looking. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's creepy. Some of them are like animalistic some of them are like people and they're like faces like coming out of other faces oh, that's and... horrifying. yeah yeah someone had fun drawing that and the... <laughs> arakawa is like Tee -hee -hee. So the question is, is yeah. probably had uh much less fun trying to copy it right. <laughs> so it's not changing every frame right that's why that's the one in shadow they, like... is <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's probably why they like horrible faces and stuff are all like warping and twisting around it's like yeah. it's like it's made to be inconsistent yeah <laughs> that's true yeah yeah <laughs> they do seem to like move and stuff like they're not consistent mm -hmm. and then yeah one of the some of the legs look like human legs and some of them look like animal legs mm -hmm. in the really detailed panel yeah it's creepy and then has kind of like a human mouth with the tongue. Oh, okay, yeah, that's in the in the little crease. Yeah, the first I didn't see one. It cause, the, yeah. So if the front couple legs look animally, look lizardy. I mean, it's hard to tell. The feet are under the the blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like horrifying, and then you kind of forget about it through the rest of the chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the back legs look like people legs. Yeah. It is good. I mean, not one aspect of it is like okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I mean that in the most um, admiring way, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
like even yeah, envy's like, like the front the regular face is creepy enough if it was just like a <laughs> lizard with a creepy human-esque face and hair and stuff and like that would be that would be pretty creepy but then it's mm-hmm. like and then all these creepy other body parts are just like stuck mm-hmm. in and you're like oh yeah. okay <laughs> and some of them are in like shadow and really creepy and some of them are like i don't know yeah it's really horrifying mm-hmm. yeah so Grade A nightmare. Grade A nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely didn't see this one in the anime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I do. And also Envy's insistence of always being like, don't look at me. Mm -hmm. I guess if I had a bunch of creepy faces sticking out of me, I might have a complex also. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Great. What can we talk about this time? So many awful. Oh, a lot. (laughs) The first thing in my guided discussion, as I always do, is um, <laughs> about Xiao Mei and Mei, Mei Chang, talking mm-hmm. about how she's one of the lowest ranking clans. So she's not, at first when she showed up, I thought she was somehow re- connected to Ling, but it seems like she's mm-hmm. not at all. Yeah. I forgot about yes, that through yeah. all the rest of this <laughs> stuff that's happening. But mm-hmm. uh, Didn't they actually see each other when uh, they caught Gluttony? Didn't? Yeah. Did... I think... Um... I think Ling was. I think Ling was gone by the time she showed up because he hopped in That's the car true. with uh, Riza. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might be right about that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I don't think they've seen each other yet. If I remember correctly, didn't didn't Ling say that his is like thirteenth in the hierarchy or something? So I think. Yeah, something like that. Well, he's the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's twelfth in line. Something like that. Is he twelfth? Okay. I don't know. It's yeah. it's around mm-hmm. that, <laughs> out of like fifty yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's in the top quarter, but she mm-hmm. said she's like yeah, one of the lowest. She's from like. Yeah, one of the lowest ranking clans. Yeah. yeah. But she found a tiny panda to be her friend. Mm-hmm. I like how even Xiaomei gets a backstory. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not opposed to it in any way. I just thought it was amusing. <laughs> it's like we got yeah. a couple page, a full page of backstory on Xiaomei. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that was surprisingly heartwarming. Yeah, I guess it was <laughs> technically backstory on May, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> since she said she's one of the lower clan members or whatever yeah. or ranking mm-hmm. clan members but whatever but then scar took pity in on her in mm-hmm. her plight and went to go help look for the tiny panda friend so mm-hmm. the black, the and, black white and white cat, cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i like how yoki's like you mean that cat or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of like lilo and stitch on the they're all like yeah that weird looking dog <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i haven't seen that movie in such a long time i should watch it it's funny Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that weird looking dog that can crawl on the ceiling and stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah I do enjoy all of them being like it's yeah or Yoki being like it's a black and white cat mm-hmm. oh I love how um, yeah, he's, he's like it probably got eaten by a dog and she's just like so- hysterically sobbing <laughs> her eyes are like little swirly eyes like they're not even like <laughs> eyes you know regular eyes anymore it's really funny Mm-hmm. I like how uh, Xiaomei chomped on Mei as well when they first met, which yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an established behavior. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was nice. Yeah. The next note I have is about Lanfan. So Nox mm-hmm. took her to his own personal home. Mm-hmm. So he's even more roped into, into Roy's plan. Mm-hmm. I guess he's at least invested in helping Lanfan for yeah. whatever reason. Because he has a, a soft, gooey center, as discussed. Yes. <laughs> last time yeah like how he keeps saying like he doesn't want to be involved and then like continues to stay involved like mm-hmm. continues to get himself in, further like, involved <laughs> yeah like even like when they were first driving out like away from all the madness in the last chapters 
He was like, long con- she was like, she can get better care in the city, which implied he was gonna like dump her at a hospital somewhere. But no, he took her to his own home well, because he knows mm-hmm. they want to be want to stay hidden. Yeah, I'm sure. And he also, I mean, he was just like, yeah, he yeah he didn't just dump her somewhere. He he mm-hmm. took her to his own home because he's a nice person. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'll watch your IV. When Lanfan sees herself in the mirror for the first time, that was very very touching and oh, sad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lanfan, oh no. I don't know what to say about it, having never been in that kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was touching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine it's one of those, like, like, this is actually real kind of moments. Yeah, because like, she had, yeah. I mean, she's like, like adrenaline, yeah, up until now, but then she's, like, sitting down and, like, seeing it for real in front of her face. Like, I think she's also, like, really taken aback because she's like, no, I have to, like, help my prince or whatever. And then he's like, you're in no condition to do that. And I feel like she has to kind of like, uh, like start to come to terms with mm-hmm. what she's, you know, what's happened. And like, it seems like yeah, she was really focused she on that, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know that much about her motivations other than supporting Ling, too. So it's probably yeah. a big part of her identity. Mm-hmm. I also like how, like, I don't mention it during the summary because it's kind of hard to, but, like, they keep up, Arka's kept up the, like, bits where they talk in their own language, mm-hmm. the characters from Shin. Mm-hmm. So, like, when she said, she said it, my arm is really gone, she said it to herself. and Yeah. Then there was something else later that were, like, Ling says Ling something. says some stuff. I uh-huh. can't remember what it was, though. I think it's, like, when they're initially, like, freaking out after Envy's. Oh, yeah, he's like, no, like, we're gonna get stuck in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also said that to himself. Or, well, I mean, he said it out loud, but yes, yeah. in his own language. Mm-hmm. In the Shin, Shingese, as we said yeah. <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. But I like how Nox is like, she's obviously super upset, but then because he only has a gooey ex- interior and he has a hard exterior, he's like, I'll watch your IV or whatever. He doesn't mm-hmm. say anything to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's there taking care of her, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Lanfan's yeah. okay. She's safe. <laughs> in hiding out in a bachelor's house. <laughs> or not a bachelor. <laughs> a divorcee's house? Well, no, wait, they're separated. They're not. Wait, no, he said they got divorced. Divorcee. Yeah. Do you call a dude a divorcee? <laughs> I haven't thought about it ever. Maybe with one E. <laughs> <laughs> a divorcer. <laughs> like, as I like fiance, fiance with like one E or two E, so maybe it's like. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Anyway, the next thing that I want to talk about is Roy. Just walking mm-hmm. straight into a huge mess. Yeah. Coming off of another huge mess, basically. Mm-hmm. He's like, I gotta take on the military. And it's like, oh, you're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. But I do like the scene of them suiting up their, their military uniforms, being like, yeah, we're getting ready. It's like the transformation sequence. Then he walks into the building and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, he just yeah, like he's like, I'm gonna be real subtle, like, and just kind of test the waters, and then it's just, like immediately thrown in with the sharks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. He's like, oh, I gotta like, yeah, find out. But like, don't, uh, you don't, don't be like, hey, I heard the fear is a homunculus to like one of the top people in the military. Like, WTF, Roy? That's the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what you said you were gonna do. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think we have one of the most interesting reveals of the series so far, of course, which is that mm-hmm. Hughes wasn't saying that the military is in danger. He said that the military is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
which stems from a really interesting, I guess, ambiguous use of Japanese as usual. Yeah. yeah. Military's in danger from itself. Yes. From mm-hmm. within. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's just a like whole ass group of people who are <laughs> <in> <laughs> It's not <laughs> even like it's not that it goes all the way to the top. It's like it goes up to like one or two to two levels below the top, actually. Yeah. And a ton of people seem to know. Of the top. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like at least everyone at that table knows. That was like, you know, like up five to ten people. That's enough people. Mm-hmm. And they're all like super mm-hmm. high ranking generals or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, they've all got the, the gold shoulder thingies. Yeah, I think um <laughs> what did they say? So the guy that Roy's talking to is Lieutenant General Raven. That's who he's he's introduced. Mm-hmm. So he's a lieutenant general. So that's like two sets below Fuhrer, probably. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or one. Because like, it would be Fuhrer, Fuhrer like President. General, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> general, then Lieutenant General, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a significant amount of people at the top who know. Yeah. I do love how he's like, yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Why don't you come in here and, and tell us your funny joke? Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, no, and it's like, yeah, you sh- definitely shouldn't have done that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he didn't. I don't know. I have a question, Cosm. I have a question for you. Yes. You asked me like a long time ago if I had ever looked at the line that Hughes said when he said the military is in danger. Mm-hmm. Is it because you knew about this, or like because you knew that it was a pun, or did you just were you just curious? Because they repeated a lot. I think because you, you, what what made me ask you, I think is, I think you said, or maybe we were looking at like, oh yeah, that's when Hughes said something like this, and it made me think like, oh yeah, what what, what did he I did know about it. That was part of it. <laughs> I was the the military was in danger, but like I, it might have been someone was quoting him, or you might have brought up that he said it. Hmm. Yeah, I think we were talking about like what Hughes seemed to know that got him killed, like. Mm. Because we're like, well, what did he say on the phone? And like, what did what did Roy hear and stuff like? Because all he yeah, that's familiar. Well, and then we said Roy never got to hear it. The person reported, the person who answered the phone reported to him that Hughes said the military is in danger. Okay, this is Kazum asked me a long time ago. What did Hughes actually say in Japanese? Hughes actually said "gunga yabai," which is just "gun" is like military. So the military, and then like. Yabai is kind of an interesting word because yabai just means like dangerous. So I feel like in my limited experience, people normally use it in a situation where they want you not to do something because it's a bad idea, right? So like him saying the military is in him saying gunga yabai, you would ex- you would anticipate you would expect from that that the military that means the military is in danger. But like yabai because yabai also means dangerous, it could mean the military is dangerous. <laughs> So that's why mm-hmm. Roy comes in and he's like, oh, now I understand what you meant, Hughes. You you meant the military itself is dangerous, not that the military is in danger. So mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One turn of phrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Just structurally. And I've been thinking to myself, could you even say something like that in English? And I, I don't think you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like that kind of adjective would have more specificity. Like I just said, mm-hmm. like you can't say the military is in danger and it mean it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. In danger from itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they make it work mm-hmm. pretty well with the like because like 
even when Roy's like explaining it in this chapter, he said like, you didn't mean an external threat. Mm-hmm. This is what you meant. Yeah. So mm-hmm. exactly. Like the military is in danger. Like the military as a, like, as like an institution. I don't know, like a, yeah. Like as an institution is mm-hmm. in danger yeah. because it's led by a bunch of bad guys. Yes. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was interesting, but uh, it doesn't look good for Roy. Now he's just in, in no. the nest of evil. Yeah. Walked right in. He delivered himself to the fear for punishment so mm-hmm. but yeah i really like the like the detail in his expressions in that scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like just realizing what oh, deep shit no he's yeah <laughs> i feel like there's a theme or some kind of some kind of like motif or thing that keeps happening where people i feel like maybe we talked about this before maybe i didn't but i just feel like people kind of go too far they Every time. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they have a plan that that they just don't stick to. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they have an opportunity to stop, and then they just keep going. Like mm-hmm. the lab, like with when Envy shows up, instead of being like, "Okay, Envy, you take Letney away," Ed, Allen, Ling are like, "No, actually, let's keep fighting, and let's you take on this one, and we'll take on this one." It's like you just made the situation harder for yourself. And say with Roy just being like, I gotta go up, I gotta go work, you know, start to like work my way into the higher ranks of the military, and then, you know, taking that too far immediately, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, and it it never seems to work out when they don't stick to the plan or they don't try to take like uh, be methodical about what they're doing. So mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. it just seems to happen all the time. People just, like characters just get themselves into deeper and deeper shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same with like them going into the lab. They were supposed to leave the lab. They were they were supposed yeah. to find the lab and then leave, but they decided to go in the lab, and then people got paralyzed. So yeah, <laughs> so it didn't work out. And Roy still hasn't recovered from that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. As a side note, this fight, this whole scene, like this day, is like the longest day, isn't it? Like tw- like twelve chapters or something, like. Mm-hmm. We've read, we've been reading about this day, this fight for like at least six chapters now, and then it goes on for like several more. Mm-hmm. Like by the time they finally leave, or and like all this other stuff has happened, it seems like it's been so long, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, it's interesting. Yeah, I've been thinking about that like, like ever since I like first started trying to break down like how we we're gonna cover this series. Mm-hmm. Cause like it's, like some of them like you said like go on for a long time and it's like I can't just be like cut out like you know the chapters dedicated to this section and stuff because it would be like five plus chapters for at something. least yeah mm-hmm. um but it's like and it's like I feel like in a way it's part of it's like shown in roots like they make the jokes about like the like endless fight scenes mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. go on for like twelve episodes and stuff but somehow it never bothers me with FMA and I think it's because like so much actually happens yeah no like, it's not just like yeah they're like standing in the same field punching each other for- <laughs> for 10 episodes it's yeah. like it's like characters are progressing and doing different things and like the story like goes to like different characters and what they're doing yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. so it's like this is all like one incident that's happened in the last like six mm-hmm. chapters or however many we've read about it like from the time they started the scar fight like it hasn't stopped like late like mm-hmm. um so they they fought scar for i think four chapters maybe three we covered that at mm. least two episodes then like Lanfan cuts off her arm and they go out to the country or they go out to like the suburbs like that was another two and then now all this time with 
gluttony and they're still inside gluttony they tech this the day hasn't ended yet <laughs> like so many things are happening yeah we're just the sun is just now the sun rising is rising the next day at the end of this yeah these chapters right so. like yeah, so crazy like, yeah because it's like so much is happening and so many characters are involved yeah. so it like goes to like you know gives time to each like section mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like and definitely event that's happening so objectively many things are happening it's not like a fight where there's like then they punch and then they explain exchange words and there's a flashback and whatever it's like no like we've already moved on from the scars gone like they're the the fight with scar is long done now they're just like trying to get out of the situation with gluttony and envy yeah um and 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 envy's now it in their true form so yeah (laughs) um i was gonna say that i it might be a deal of pacing and like a lot of transitioning is happening which is kind of true, but I think that the because like Shonen can sometimes do that too, and it's the same because the protagonist will like cycle through. Mm-hmm. It'll still be the main antagonist, but here we had Bradley and Gluttony, and then we had Scar, and then you have just Gluttony by themselves, and now just Envy. And I think because of it constantly swapping out and people are constantly shuffling. Yeah. I think that's what makes it very interesting, um, as well as, you know, there's all the plot and everything else going mm-hmm. on with it, too. Um, but it, it's going uh, different places, different people, mm-hmm. different times, um, just one after another. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they are technically all different fights. It's just, like, I remember, it just feels like it's it's still technically all the same time. Like, it's all the same event. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, so many things are happening. It's very interesting. Yeah, I also I really like the little exchange Roy and Risa have. Yes. He, uh, oh yeah. Walks into the lion's den. Yes. Too. <laughs> I noticed you took a lot of time to read their dialogue <laughs> in your summary. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was cute. It is cute because <laughs> they're in love. <laughs> I don't care, like, because she has so many like bits where like yes sir is like the only thing she says, mm-hmm. and so like had the bit where she's like yes sir yes sir and then he's like and save yourself and she's like no, no sir <laughs> <laughs> and she, he's like no you can't disobey an order and she's like well you can court martial me and he's like touche yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> she's like absolutely not we just survived almost getting sucked into a black hole <laughs> also roy actually said the words as you wish so <laughs> i didn't even notice <laughs> what he really meant was he loves her <laughs> makes me happy anyway <laughs> but yeah she waits outside i like that the end of the chapter is her waiting outside mm-hmm. um still which is nice there is a lot of uh i think you briefly talked about this last time we talked about people's like backs but i think we also talked about people waiting for people as being like a theme mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. had multiple times uh yeah. like ed said it to ling when they're inside gluttony yep. in the, in the fake void or whatever as envy described it and then also, um, like, Risa's waiting for Roy. She's like, doesn't she mm-hmm. say I'll be waiting for you? Am I crazy? Maybe she doesn't say it directly, but. Well, he says, like, wait, wait, wait here for me. me. He's, he was the one who said yeah. it. Yeah. So in both of those exchanges, we had that. Yeah. Another. Another. Um, big. I don't know. I guess it's a theme. I guess mm-hmm. it's a theme. I don't know, like, what Arakawa's trying to say about it. It's just, I guess, like, people... I feel like is saying, waiting, I'm waiting for you, someone's waiting on me, is, like, maybe it's kind of this thing of, like, there's always... there are pe- Maybe you feel like you have a goal that's more important than other things in your life, but there's always somebody who's 
there for you or like you have connections mm-hmm. with other people maybe you don't think that that's true like especially in like Winry's case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like Ling is like I'll just give up and Ed is like you can't there are people waiting for you like there are people who depend mm-hmm. on you you are yeah. important and needed in this world so mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a general like overall theme about like the importance of uh, like our connections to mm-hmm. each other that's true well I guess the that goes in with the whole all is one, one is all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just mm-hmm. you, you're all the people that rely on you and that love you and all that. And so, like, maybe that's that's sort of the bigger theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Yeah, yeah this sounds a little, like, I feel like there's a bit of, like, like, Ed and Al, like, taking, like, what they learned from about alchemy when they were young is, like, just kind of at face value, and then are, like, as they're going on in life, kind of learning other ways it applies, and I think mm-hmm. that, like, oh, like, all is one, one is all thing is one of those. Mm-hmm. So. Well, okay, <laughs> I just want to talk about the, um, and when Envy shows up to the fight, when the antagonist mm-hmm. becomes Envy, as Cosm pointed out, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> First of all, I really enjoyed that Ed remembered exactly how many times that Envy called him little. <laughs> On a lighter topic. You know what would have been really funny? funny? Yes. First. <laughs> it would have been really funny if Arakawa broke the fourth wall and any time that Envy said it while well, he wasn't even present. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the little alchemist. <laughs> you know, the little guy. So many times. Uh... <laughs> it's really funny. But I do think it's interesting that Envy Envy didn't... Well, I guess Envy doesn't want to fight them because they're human sacrifices, but Envy didn't want to fight at all. But like I, like I was kind of talking about... Well, in general, I think we've seen other scenes where Envy's like, man, I don't really want to fight. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be Envy's jam. No. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the only ones that really liked fighting were... Well, I mean, Lust did, I guess. Mm-hmm. Greed kind of did. I think mm-hmm. I think Lust enjoyed causing people pain. <laughs> Yeah, you're right about that. I think Les did really take her role seriously as a harbinger of war. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever they were doing, because she was always like, oh, hey, it's the priest. Let's kill him, too. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, definitely causing causing people pain, but also uh, like to be scared, too. Um, Not Mm -hmm. even just like physical pain. Also, I didn't I didn't mention the summary, but one of the things you can see in Gluttony's Void stomach is Father Cornello's remains. Oh, really? I didn't even notice. No. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the, there's a skeleton, the, right? Yeah, there's a skeleton wearing the like priest's uniform. Oh. Uh, I did notice that they were wearing a. The skeletons had uniform, had clothes. I definitely didn't notice that though. That's funny. You'd think that he wouldn't be a skeleton yet. It hasn't been that long, but I guess you. I don't know. Uh, we don't know how highly digestive uh, the blood stomach is. of blood. Gluttony's <laughs> void is. <laughs> Time um, might move differently in there. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Remember how last time we were talking about the ribs, Gluttony's rib rib teeth? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, do they move? And we were like, they do look like they move. But yeah, it turns out they do. And Gluttony like, used them to pop out of the well, which mm-hmm. was really creepy mm-hmm. and gross. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, because Lust's superpower was that she could just poke things with her nails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Gluttony could do that with his ribs <laughs> and swallow things. <laughs> So clearly he was an upgraded version. (laughs) He's the result of a failed experiment, but he's the ultimate weapon. So (laughs) he has the downside of you have to put him into a blind rage to do it. (laughs) Yes. He has to become his ultimate form. It's like, uh, Mm -hmm. what do they call it? The Pokemon thing? Yeah, he's a mega evolution of gluttony. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out that he used their trick of like turning uh, people 
and turning into people that people care about uh, <laughs> again yeah. becoming long fawn for example mm-hmm. yeah like ling's face like when he freezes up for a moment there yeah <laughs> and then i feel like it's like the third time that we've seen long fawn's body just like because <laughs> like just horribly dismembered <laughs> <laughs> it, maybe it's like the second time well the, i mean she cut off her arm but also she got like sliced by the fear but yeah it's just like it wasn't actually here, but it was envy like cut in half from the top down or like from the bottom down, which is mm-hmm. gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like Gluttony does have some power over his like you know, rage state because he eventually like calmed down after after he like accidentally swallowed Ed. Yeah. He was like kind of freaking out and Al was trying to like I mean, hold yeah. open his ribs or whatever, but he was like closing up. So even then Envy was sort of able to redirect him, like you can't <laughs> Like you can't uh, eat the full metal and his brother. You can only get the the Shin guy. And, yeah, that's true. Um, so I mean, it does seem like I mean, it's kind of like even the end. Like seems like it's like emotionally driven true. rather than like having like conscious yeah. control. Because like even like while Al's while Al's like trying to like get him to stop, he's like too late. I ate them as it's like closing up. Yeah. Like he's like oops. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I think you're right that Envy does seem to or not Envy. Gluttony seems to be driven by his like baser emotions or is that kind of like representation. Mm-hmm. Lust was always the more calculating one. Envy yeah. seems kind of like a spaz, to be honest. <laughs> I think Envy's also mm-hmm. um, but not as driven by their emotions, but it's just like really petty, pissy. Yeah, I was gonna say the emotion is simply <laughs> rage. Not very emotion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> petty, pissy anger. Very true. <laughs> Envy has, like, two emotions. It's, like, sassy and pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sadistic. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't know what emotion that is, but it's a yeah. new one, I like, guess. Like, uh, schadenfreude. Although yeah. that would involve you caring about your fellow man, so that doesn't yeah. <laughs> doesn't include envy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sadistic is sadism and emotion. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, the fake void is really interesting. So, in mm-hmm. quote unquote inside gluttony, which is some mysterious place, it's probably not actually inside gluttony. Envy says it's a place between reality and truth, quote unquote reality and quote yeah. unquote truth. But a lot of the imagery kind of remind. I, there was I was about to say there was something about it. There was obvious things about it that reminded me of like <laughs> like the depictions of hell in like Dante's Inferno and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. being in a like rivers of blood and that kind of stuff. Along with that, I mean, I think I've always thought that the the truth looks and, and gluttony look kind of similar, but I guess that makes very, a lot of sense if he's sort of a fake version of the truth. Just I don't know some of the like the roundness of their body and like True. I don't know I, I, and and especially his eyes I think because um, there aren't very many people with gluttony's kind of eyes little um, beady eyes all the time yeah. Um, I don't think we see think, any eyes on the truth. We just see a horrifying mouth. smile. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, I think you see like the the sort of like white outline sometimes, don't you? Or no? No, no. I could be wrong. I don't think so. Yeah. We, yeah, we only, haven't gone through the portal in a while. <laughs> we only see the parts of the truth that are relevant to the conveying emotion, <laughs> such as the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I guess the truth is kind of similar to. Um, Pride, no. Pride, yeah. The truth is kind of similar to pride, in that they are, you know, they seem to have no form. Like the shadowy outline of pride. Yeah, Mm. which is kind of an interesting thought that I didn't think about till Mm -hmm. just now. Yeah. 
it's interesting how like you know leading up to this you can see that like heart that creepy eye and gluttony's like stomach and like it's obviously the same as the one in the mm-hmm. portal but it's not really pointed out until this chapter mm-hmm. yeah i mean i was like hey it's the creepy eye again <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but it's not pointed out to the characters i guess ed ed was like i did feel weird i wonder if they like i guess they can see the creepy eye i mean maybe they were just worried about mm-hmm. uh not getting sucked into the void mm-hmm. yeah we saw it you know from a safe mm-hmm. distance <laughs> yeah yeah like envy's whole thing where it's like you remember don't you it's happened to you before because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah but i like how envy envy also doesn't seem to know like the homunculi don't seem to know anything about the real portal which is interest mm-hmm. an interesting fact mm-hmm. like envy says that this is a fake portal the father made and and then when ed describes the the truth or whatever envy is like oh so that's what it's like you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. so i mean it i guess we i feel like we've been presented with the idea that the homunculi i mean they're obviously really powerful but they don't seem to have like infinite knowledge of alchemy or anything like that even the father mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so they created the philosopher's stone but like some things it seems are unattainable unless you sacrifice part of your body or whatever. <laughs> so maybe mm-hmm. the father hasn't done that, assuming that he's human. But I mean, I guess one of the things is um, we never see any homunculus do alchemy. That's true, right? Like they they have their their alchemic abilities that that definitely resemble alchemy in the markings and stuff like that. But they don't ever do anything else other than the sort of innate abilities that they have. That's true. They don't make mm-hmm. things like they don't, you know, like they don't, they don't make things out of other things. They only recreate themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's more like they have like, like a continuous like reaction that they have like access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, I, I guess assumed that they just couldn't do alchemy and I don't know if they just can't or they just don't. I don't know. I don't know. It definitely doesn't seem like they can. We haven't seen any of them do it. And we know they're, I don't know, maybe because they are created, they can't. Like, mm-hmm. it's not clear yet. Yeah. I mean, they basically are a philosopher's stone, though, which is able to, like, do all the alchemy, right? But, like, if you, if a random dude picked up a philosopher's stone off the street, would they be able to use it? That's a good question. Like, you have to have an understanding of alchemy. Like, maybe they can't. I don't know. Well, let's see. Father Canelo was able to do quite a bit with it. I don't know. With, with a fake philosopher's stone? With a fake ph- ph- philosopher's stone. I don't know. He didn't strike me as an alchemist. True. But But didn't he have coaches? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're like, you can do whatever you want. Just imagine whatever you want and you can do it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone like a Dr. Marco who has an understanding of alchemy, they can probably do more. Yeah, they can probably do, like, some basic stuff, because, like, like when Roy is trying to use uh, Lust Philosopher's Stone to heal Havoc, he's like, I don't know much about medical alchemy, but with this, to augment my powers, like, it seems like... I just... That's true. He's, he's kind of, like, uh, like winging it, but it, like, yeah. you know, gives you, like, access to, like... Yeah, if you... If theoretically, I guess it's, like, power, yeah. if you know how the gist of alchemy and you know what's in the thing that you're trying to transmute, it seems like you can do a lot. But I think that's, like, the gist of alchemy part is the part that people don't seem to know, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone is trained. It doesn't seem to be innate, at least. Yeah. Um, I always laugh when when I think about that scene where Roy's like, I don't know that much about medical alchemy, especially because 
when he made the fake model of Maria Ross, <laughs> the Knox like sassed him about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you obviously don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, you did make the teeth good, so I said it was her, but yeah. So he like really focused on the teeth, but I <laughs> just imagine him putting like, like you know, like the bones are all over the place or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. this is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's like no, I definitely don't trust him. Especially after that, he couldn't even make a fake body. Yeah, Knox is probably in the coroner's office, like fucking, <laughs> fucking asshole. Always getting me dragged into this shit. <laughs> He's like, I've been looking at burned bodies all day. Because didn't he say there was some kind of like fire could... or something in a factory? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like he could have just gone like, Nah, I'm not doing it. But of course, he yeah, didn't. <laughs> because he knew. Because he knew there was a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When when Knox says you He's bastard, like when he, like when he fucked up that body. He he say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I believe it. There's probably fanfic for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I can think of worse <laughs> He's like, you burned the bodies. I dissected them. They're like a weird Bonnie and Clyde of like this. Yeah. It's fallen civil war. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good times. Anyway, mm. uh, speaking of Ishval, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, what the fuck? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. Envy is so proud of that. When you were yeah, reading I like... that, I was just shaking my head because I was again completely disgusted. Just now, mm-hmm. like what the hell? Yeah, this like wild, like so crazy. Grinning faces when he's talking about so it crazy. Yeah. like that's like the happiest we've seen him yeah like, for... it is definitely it's like envy doesn't have a lot of strong emotions other than sass as stated before yeah um mm-hmm. but yeah that time was like like wild with mm, pride envy i feel like of all the homunculi envy is the one who dislikes or feel uh, like actively expresses how different they are from people the most Mm-hmm. Like, Envy is constantly yeah. like, I'm better. Monkey Lai are better. And it's like, I won't be looked down on by a human. Yeah. Like yeah. Constantly. Uh, Glennie mm. doesn't seem to ever say very much other than, can I eat him? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Lust, yeah. Lust kind of said that. Like, we're, but, Lust is actually like, we're the same. Like, true. Fucking the Roy. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, she's like, yeah, we're, like, not so different. We're just slightly better, and Envy is like, fuck people. Yeah. <laughs> and the mm-hmm. Fearer is kind of like, mm, I don't know about these people. I guess they're, you know, they got something going on. Like, <laughs> at least that's what it seemed like in the discussion with, like, Pride. Um, yeah. The little side side chat. But yeah, Envy actively is really, I mean, so Envy was the best one for the job, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, Envy is is like, and then that the soldier I impersonated who was against the war got put in a tribunal. And it's like, really? Mm -hmm. Like, on top of all of this? I'm so disgusted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, Envy's very proud of their contribution to the plan. Yeah. (laughs) I do find their... I still find their, um, like, deference and reverence of the father interesting. Greed was the only one who didn't... who didn't uh, give a shit, (laughs) as it were. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But Envy, and like Gluttony's really worried at the end about what the father's going to do when mm-hmm. he eventually finds out that he swallowed their human sacrifices or their human sacrifice. Yeah. And also Envy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Envy does sometimes seem kind of like resentful. Yeah, I don't know what that is interesting. But, but does like mm-hmm. you know, still pretty immediately defer to even yeah. uh, father's wishes, even wrath. So mm-hmm. I do feel like envy envy isn't super keen on wrath, um, but yeah. definitely like does whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. went and go picked up. It was like fine. I'll go pick up gluttony or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I said like that out of this chapter where. And he's like, that brat couldn't be our father. And Ling's like, you could call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is really funny. <laughs> what are you going to say, Cause? Um, of all the homunculi, I think Envy is the most likely to leave, mm. kind of like Greed did. Mm. Um, mm. Leave the, no, you don't think so? No, I believe you. Oh, I agree. Okay. I just that like, that like is a... interesting. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, because like, like, they definitely seem, like, resentful and, like, discontent in general. But, like, they don't seem that independent. No. And they also like, seem yeah. totally on board with whatever the plan is. Whatever the plan they were talking mm-hmm. about with Dr. Marco. The other thing that I think is really interesting is... Yeah, they seem pretty eager Definitely. Like, I wonder... Because... So, Dr. Marco was like, you're going to do this and that and this and that. Which is all fine. But I, I still wonder what is, like, their ultimate goal. Like, what's their ultimate aim? You know? Like, why do they want to have mm-hmm. a giant philosopher's stone? It's like, so they can live forever for what? You know, like, what's the point mm-hmm. anyway? But I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I assume that there is a deeper reason. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Envy said Marco was close, but not quite there. Yeah. So, I mean, they, there's stuff we don't know. <laughs> definitely. There's something that we don't know. And I find that interesting. So Envy's, whatever that is, Envy's in it for that, I assume. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Envy does seem like not so. Not happy about having to work with everyone, but probably on board with the plan. That's the vibe that I get. I mean, maybe they just having a lot of fun sort of with the chaos that they're making, all the fighting and all that. So um, Yeah, well, based on this conversation, that's definitely true. Yeah. So maybe it's a FOMO sort of deal. FOMO. He's like, can we? (laughs) If he's like, maybe if I stay around, I can start another war. That was pretty mm-hmm. great. I want to do that again. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? <laughs> I feel like their um their code names not code names, their names. Envy, lust, mm-hmm. gluttony. Like lust? Was lust really lustful in the end? Yeah. I've seen I, people say it's the more of a bloodlust. I believe that. Than like classic oh, lust. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, and then like envy. Yeah. What is envy and I mean envy is kind of a kind of uh, how did you describe it just now? It was good. It was just kind of like pissy angry. That does seem mm-hmm. like envy, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Envying other people's kind of positions. Like, yeah, I think the like spitefulness yeah. of envy is kind of like characteristic of envy, envy. the emotion. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I think hmm? like we've seen, I think they're like envious of like people having like higher positions definitely oh yeah why they were so mad about like wrath having the like greater responsibility and everything Mm -hmm. even though they're not super independent as stated (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i guess it's kind of both that is i also think characteristic of envy where you're like you can't Mm -hmm. really function by yourself but like Mm -hmm. you want more Yeah, it's like you want something that you can't have Mm -hmm. when sometimes you can't have it because it's it's not in your like wheelhouse yeah like. <laughs> exactly exactly that's true i mean gluttony is kind of the most obvious one what with the mm-hmm. eating but yeah yeah greed too had a yes yeah like greed was straight up like yeah i want to have followers and shit like yeah yeah 
and he wants it now. <laughs> yeah. He wants a golden goose. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how why he got kicked out of the the father's residence. He wanted too many mm -hmm. things, and he climbed into the he fell he fell down a tube into the like philosopher's stone goo. Yeah. <laughs> then the Oompa Loompas came out and sang about it. <laughs> it was a whole to do. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as much of a choice as maybe in, um, like an inevitability. Just, yeah, he's just but... stuck in the uh, in the philosopher's stone vat, like uh, <laughs> like Augustus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, let me out. Bang <laughs> Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trip we're going on today. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, well, that's great. Great. Thanks, Envy, for starting a whole yeah. war or whatever. Nothing, I'm sure nothing bad happened. Mm -hmm. Ugh. And yeah, and that seemed to make Ed very angry. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, we, we know him to be a good, uh, just person. But I feel like mm -hmm. this was like... And I guess he knows people who are personally involved in the war and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, so. I think it's like coming off so fresh off of the like scar winry conflict yes mm -hmm. has like made that especially like a sore point for him right mm -hmm. now like because like he specifically says like mm -hmm. you made a killer like scar yep. you caused the war that like killed winry's parents yep. and, like, mm -hmm. exactly and he seems like especially like upset when he says that part yes yeah, mm -hmm. yeah he gets more and more upset mm-hmm but then Envy um, turns into their true form, and that all goes out the window. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing is, you know, he says that you left the east in uh, in ruins, my hometown, uh -huh. and like we've we've seen how the auto mail industry kind of is booming there, at least for Panaco. Uh -huh. But I guess it never, like how I guess how close they were to it, because I guess again they said that um, they were. Their excuse was that the the auto mail was was from um, injuries during the war yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think I don't um, know. Yeah, I think um, first of all, I think if you see like look on the map, I think we've seen it once or twice. Like uh, Resin Bull is pretty far east. It's really it's close. It's pretty to the close border. to um, the, the border with Ishval. And um, I think when he was uh, like when we were first going to Resin Bull, when he's like talking about his hometown to Armstrong, he says something about how like it's gotten like like run down and hasn't like recovered since the army like mismanaged the the mm -hmm. war so badly mm -hmm. yeah, it is it's yeah. interesting to me because i feel like the scenes we've seen of resin Bull don't seem like it's resin Bull directly was like affected but i feel like he's more talking about the the region but yeah 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 i think like uh i mean it could have been like I economically know. probably more than definitely like... mm -hmm. well they did the whole town almost got destroyed by a flooding river at one point mm -hmm. so yeah, maybe mm. they, you know, the diversion yeah, of resources like, <laughs> was mm. affecting the area. Yeah, and too. it has been several years since the war ended, so it's like possible that any like any like physical damage has been mostly repaired by now. Yeah, yeah. the only places it that still we hasn't like economically recovered from it. Yeah, I believe that. And presumably, there's like you know other broken families like Winrys. Who... Yeah, definitely. Well, and the automobile industry is thriving, so there's a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of uh, injured people. Missing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure there are a lot of um, I'm sure there were a lot of losses. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's been affecting them their whole lives, it, even if the physical damage is repaired or whatever. That's mm -hmm. yeah, probably one of those things that I like never thought that much about growing up because it's just kind of how it was. 
until like you know all this stuff yeah. started kind of bringing it to the forefront because like edward Puss repeatedly is like what happened in that war like he obviously doesn't know that much about like the details yeah. of what mm-hmm. went down yeah well they were they were little baby children so yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i think like when you're in that kind of situation you don't know everything that's going on like you would only know what's happening near you or whatever like they wouldn't yeah. have known yeah. you know like what was coming out of central or like what was happening at the actual like you know front or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah they probably it's i feel like you always get information like after the fact of like what really happened or like what yeah caused i mean there was probably initially confusion too about what caused it although they were able to put that one random soldier in a tribunal so yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know it's very interesting it had to be like horrific for that right story. i mean just like, He's probably like, fuck? I wasn't like, even there. Yeah. And people are like, we saw you. Like, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. No, so crazy. Yeah, good job, Envy. Yeah, great. <laughs> good job. <laughs> great job. You know, I feel like when we started reading this story, the inciting incident for the story was that Ed and Al tried to... I made. I feel like I made a joke about this earlier. Ed and Al tried to, uh, tried to transmute their mother and then they lost ed lost his limbs and al lost his body and we're trying to get it back but like it feels like the actual inciting incident for the story was this was envy mm-hmm. envy disguised as a soldier killing the child and then mm-hmm. every else everything every other thing from the story has like kind of spawned from that like that was all part of their initial the mm-hmm. homunculized plan well because like the the state alchemist program didn't even start until during this sometime during that that war right so i mean he couldn't even become a state alchemist without that i mean that's true you know again i think it might have existed it just wasn't used as like a like human weapon mill oh yeah. i think you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the funding was increased so they might not have been looking for like child soldiers yet <laughs> yeah no 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 they thought that ed was 35 or whatever it said on the form <laughs> <laughs> They just found out that yeah, he was like, a child who could do alchemy, and they were like, "Great." This Roy was like, like "This will be great." This. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, All it takes is one cunning military officer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like even like we haven't still haven't seen that much detail of it yet, but it's just so profoundly in, interwoven to so many characters' backstories. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Scar and Roy and Marco and Knox, mm-hmm. Armstrong. Armstrong. I mean, we've seen a. Sure, he hasn't been around recently, yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. Risa, mm-hmm. Winry, like. Basically every character mm-hmm. from the mistress, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Doesn't seem like Sheen Sheen peeps were involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were just like, what is well, going on over there? Between them yeah, exactly. Them. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was uh well, it's not part of the homunculus plan. It's not they're not <laughs> Sheen isn't within the circle, <laughs> according yeah. to Marco. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Yeah, I really yeah, I like know. um like Envy's line about the war rippling out from a single bullet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very poetic. Mm-hmm. There's some imagery they use in the the Brotherhood anime that I really like. That shows like the map of the country, and it shows this just like blood red stain like spreading out from like mm-hmm. the point where Ishval is on the map to like cover the whole country, basically mm-hmm. or that whole region, anyway. And yeah, mm-hmm. I guess when you <laughs> think about it, you can see why Envy is so like bitter about being at the bottom of the totem pole when. Mm-hmm. Like I did, yeah. And he's like, I started this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> then the Fuhrer came along and <laughs> whatever, you know. It's like wrath. And he's like, that's... all I want is what's coming to me. All I want is my fair share. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
I actually don't have any other notes <laughs> to talk about. Uh, I have oh, except one going more. To see the father. <laughs> oh yeah, that's interesting. I'll convince him um, to see the wizard. Because <laughs> we've seen him, see. but we don't know very much about him yet, and so I think. Willy Wonka. Yeah. 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 We just seen him sitting in his um, weird pipe throne. And yeah. Being ominous. <laughs> being ominous. <laughs> Looking like Hohenheim, suspiciously like Hohenheim. Mm -hmm. Although, well, oh, well, Hohenheim, Hohenheim's out in the middle of nowhere. So. Oh I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long, because yeah, I mean, uh, he left around the same time uh, Ed did, so it's possibly he's back. Could have been. He was yeah. busy stopping a. Stopping highway robbers <laughs> with <Yeah>. his body, <laughs> scaring them oh, yeah, into yeah, running yeah. away. So he's still out on the road somewhere. At least that's where we left him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we haven't seen the father since he left, though. Actually, they could be the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, have you ever seen them in the same? <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, I haven't. <laughs> but I mean, or they just have the same hairstyle because they're from the same time or some bullshit. <laughs> Because yeah. Hohenheim's been around forever. Yeah, they're like, this was all the rage in the like, 1400s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, when does this... When does this take place? Is, uh, is it the like year 980 or something? He, there's like... Uh, it's um, 3 October 19 or something. 3 October 11. 11, yeah. In the pocket watch, so... Yeah. Mm. So the 11s? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe World 1911. <laughs> <laughs> the 1100s, you know? Yes. <laughs> Do they follow? Because like, are they are they in the eighteen hundreds and not like or? I mean, I think I always thought it was like eight hundred something, and like they just had a different calendar start year or something like that. I think we see it say like nineteen something on. Do we somewhere? Mm. On some like paperwork or something. It's definitely like um, and it's sort of roughly parallel to that. Yeah. Time period in the real world, based yeah. on like the cars and stuff. Technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like a weird, like, AU 1900s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an AU 1900s where you can wear miniskirts and have mm -hmm. uh, mechanical arm, mechanical limbs that are connected to your nerves. Mm -hmm. And then in the real 1900s, they were like, what's a germ? <laughs> That's not yeah. real. Bad air makes you sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time there's some, like, real world advancement in, like, um, like uh, what do you call it? Prosthetics and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, automail. some closer to automail. <laughs> Oh man, Winry would get a kick out of 3D printed prosthetics. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> 3D printed prosthetics are cool. I was just there's also mm -hmm. like weird like uh, sensor things that you can wear on your head that like measure nerve impulses and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of anyone's connected those to uh to prosthetics yet, but they use them for like just whenever things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't require painful automail surgery. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh do we have any other things to say? Uh, I have one more. Oh yes. When Envy says that there's there's no way out, the only thing is left for mm. us to do is to just sit here and die. Um, you know they 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 panic and and Ed says, uh, "What's gonna happen to Al?" Mm. And like I don't know that that always bothered me um, because like isn't he's a big boy he can handle himself you know, <laughs> but I forgot that they're linked. So if he dies, it's very possible mm. that Al just dies. That's a good point. And so, yeah, I, that, that always just stood out, and um, uh, I finally have the answer to that. <laughs> I was thinking, like, Al could theoretically just transmute himself, but yeah, if Ed dies, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, like, like they made the point in the past that, like, Ed's the only one who can really do the, like... Oh, the soul binding. Yeah, like, the transmutation to make sure he doesn't mess up the, like, soul binding uh, mm -hmm. sigil and everything. So. Yeah, I mean, basically my assumption is that Ed has a better alchemy skill than Al does, 
and you know, regardless. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, him dying is a good point. And also, I I just made the assumption that it's more like he's just a more it's more emotional. They're the only family they have. So yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's on a, like I mean we see like at the end of this chapter that like Al's kind of like he basically thinks Ed's dead for a moment. Like when yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm sure he would like pull himself together and do something if Ed actually died. But like it's obviously like really deeply affecting him. Like even yeah, just the thought. So that's true. Um, I mean the only thing they have is this goal that they're working toward right now. Mm-hmm. Didn't, did they have a, dis- no, maybe it's later. Cause they never really talk about what they're going to do. Like after their bodies, after they get their bodies back or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously it's of a, a major importance to them. So that makes sense. But yeah, it's like, if suddenly that changed, I don't think Al would know what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that also got me thinking. Because, like, uh, they talked about how much um, Ed has to eat and sleep for Al. Mm-hmm. And I realized, with how much Ling eats and sleep, how many bodies has he transmuted? <laughs> <laughs> he I could be psychic to like... a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. What if he has some, like, hypoglycemia issues or something? Because, like, yeah, he's like he, legit, all over the place. he legit, like, collases when he, like, hasn't mm-hmm. eaten in a while. Like, yes. Maybe he has some, like, uncontrolled diabetes or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> perhaps <laughs> she get Knox to look at it yeah <laughs> and he'd be like no and then he would do it anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean it's definitely yeah it's possible <laughs> I feel like the whole so May is also looking for immortality so is this like a was there like an APB to all the clans that was like the emperor is looking for immortality or do they Ye- all just think that that's the solution to the emperor dying you know what I mean like the emperor being sick. I was under the impression that yeah, the emperor kind of put out like a, a not a wanted poster, but like <laughs> something APB. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Maybe the like inter- emperor like working the he's probably like looking for it himself, like with his like yeah, I don't know, servants or whatever. And so like all the you know people connected to that are like, aha, this is um, what I need to find. <laughs> they have all reported back to their respective clans. Yeah. Very interesting. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that these like these kids like are out in the world feeling like responsible for their entire like family clan. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Ling like, said like, he's the prince. We don't know anything that much about May and her kind mm-hmm. of like relative position in the in the mm-hmm. in the family, the clan, or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. in her case, it's um, it's kind of I don't know. She seems even younger than Ling. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe in her case, she doesn't have that much to lose. Their their yeah. their status is so minimal, you know. But yeah, it is interesting that I mean, all always kids are always the ones who are yeah. worried about the fate of their <laughs> their whole clan or whatever. Mm-hmm. In stories like this, it is it's interesting in general that in FMA there are a lot of adults like doing stuff too. Like we have like Roy and Riza and mm-hmm. like all the military people like. It's not like everyone in the story is a teenager or like all the main characters are teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. like a, like a Harry Potter situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like the, the adults are like competent and doing like their own things, too. Yeah. It's more just like, I guess they the the feeling is like the situation that they're all in necessitates them. The kids mm-hmm. being involved in things. Yeah. Right. Like Ed and Al are truly the only ones who can restore their bodies. There's mm-hmm. nobody else who can fix them. At yeah. least that's what it seems like. That's the idea we're presented with. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hohenheim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
He's like, I can't do anything for you as a parent, especially not give you legs back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, does, it seems like they're the only ones who have the skill. I feel like it's been demonstrated they're the only ones who have the skill to do it. So mm-hmm. they kind of have to do things themselves. So they have all these people who are sort of like supporting them, like Ed said, in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just like by virtue of the like wider plot, it's like everyone's been involved in like mm-hmm. different ways. And so mm-hmm. like they can't just like go home and do nothing about it because they're just already involved in this like horrible deep <laughs> military plot so. yeah Ling's rationale makes sense to me like it's plausible that he's he's the one in charge of like because of his status he feels like he needs to mm-hmm. take care of his and his view his opinions because he's always the one who's like a king can't be a king without people you know without mm-hmm. his subjects mm-hmm. so maybe he feels like he needs to be personally responsible mm-hmm. yeah it seems to be like yeah his um like his own personal philosophy is like what's driving it more than like a like a lack of anyone else to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, May's a little more interesting. Well, I guess we know there's a lot of politics going yeah. on, so mm-hmm. you know we can make the assumption that she feels similarly. But it is interesting that she's the one and not like an older kid or older mm-hmm. person. Yeah, from their clan. But she, because she has Xiaomei to back her up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've all seen the food chain. Yeah, they're like send the tiny panda huh they're like send the one with the tiny Tiny panda panda. she's chosen (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah we've seen the food chain cause (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't have anything to say about this episode about this these this content that we've read this time Mm -hmm. oh wait no sorry i changed my mind there was something i forgot to say earlier which was that um it makes sense now why envy can turn into like animals and stuff because mm-hmm. none of the other homunculi that we've seen seem to be able to do that so Envy can change into a lot of things but it looks like it's because Envy's made out of a bunch of different stuff so oh yeah I did want to talk about that because mm-hmm. like the, the appearance does kind of seem freaky chimera-ish yeah mm-hmm. true and I wonder if if that may have been Envy Envy sort of like because Gluttony was made to be a portal I wonder mm-hmm. if Envy was meant to be some sort of chimera thing mm-hmm. um yeah, and that's one of... wonder if they're like all various experiments done mm-hmm. by the father. They do seem to have like a purpose, all of them, mm-hmm. and like um, mm-hmm. their powers related to that purpose. Like greed was the ultimate shield, lust was the ultimate spear, the ultimate weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I don't know about envy. Envy does seem to be some kind of like chimera that can shapeshifty, mm-hmm. shapeshift, and that's the purpose. But it's not very clear. And then, uh, yeah, Gluttony was trying to create a void. So, I mean, interesting. With... And then we don't really know that much about uh, Raph, other than mm-hmm. that he's like a people. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. People. Yeah, he thinks he's people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and then, like, Pride is, like, mysterious mm-hmm. also. <laughs> Seems to be, like, somewhat invisible or something like that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't think they talk much about like the 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 order of how the homunculi were created. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know basically that Wrath is one of the most recent. Yeah. Um. But like, we don't we don't know who's like the oldest or anything. But like, again, the uh, envy sort of meshed together, sort of hodgepodge um, form makes me feel like maybe they were the first one. Could be. Um, I mean, I don't have anything else to back that up, but mm-hmm. it just, it, 
seems fitting. And I think in the anime, at least, they sort of, when they <laughs> Sorry, show just, the... Father's like trying, it's like, I'm going to make an artificial human. And then Maid Envy is like, whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that wasn't even close. Maybe next time we will be better. And Envy's like, what? Yeah. Like, Don't look at me. complex. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? They all have a weird, like, need to please the father, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like there might be something behind that, but I don't know. I just find it very strange. Um, but, like, I don't know if it's just, like, supposed to be just their how their characters are designed or whatever, but, like... Yeah. One thing um, I just thought of, uh, looking back to the scene with Greed, when they were all, you know... <clears throat> Crucifying him? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. He was just on a big flat piece of yeah, round stone. <laughs> it had nothing to do with crucifixion. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, well, there's a the little bit where like greed calls envy ugly, mm-hmm. and envy gets immediately like really pissed off and starts mm-hmm. to do the like sparky alchemy thing until mm-hmm. father cuts in and is like, "Stop fighting! <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't make me reach back there." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. But, yeah, that was uh, foreshadowing to this point. We knew that envy yeah. was sensitive about their appearance monstrous true form that they're sensitive about (laughs) yeah no shit yeah (laughs) it's because uh greed's true form is like cool yeah you know (laughs) and lust i feel like i don't know we don't know i guess we never really got to see lust like real true form like you know her non-human face form right i was like we did but no that was just her being i mean it's always just her hands and stuff Mm mm-hmm her. Well, no, when yeah. when uh, she was reforming around the the philosopher's stone, yes, because that definitely seems like what a true form would look like. But nope, that was just yeah. her rebuilding herself. Yeah, she does seem kind of like like if we're theorizing on the like order of creation, she does seem like a more like refined mm-hmm. homunculus, mm-hmm. like both in her like intelligence and behavior. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So it could be that like like she doesn't have like as monstrous a true form or anything. Possible. Yeah, maybe the father got better after envy. Is so just... yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like six times the charm. <laughs> what was that like? Being like, just the three of them, you know, lost envy and greet uh, and gluttony, and be like, I have a feeling there's going to be more soon. <laughs> when are we getting our next brother? It's like there's a theme here, and we have not reached the quota yet. No. <laughs> I still I'm still waiting for Vainglory. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I mean like with Wrath, he you know, he's we know he's a homunculus or he's not a human at least, and he like is the most refined of all. Um mm-hmm. you know, he seems to blend in the best and doesn't have the like weird, you know, like the uh like Ling and Lanfan couldn't like sense Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the like philosopher's stone in him or whatever so yeah he seems the most human in both like form and function yeah yeah mm-hmm. at the moment so. he doesn't seem to have a true form at least that we've seen so mm-hmm. or maybe we, perhaps we haven't seen it yet but yeah yeah true mm-hmm. form it just mm-hmm. seemed like because yeah like um like lust and wrath are the only ones we see like interacting with the human world on true. any kind of like long term because he saw Lust was like you know <laughs> dating, dating havoc, havoc for a while, <laughs> and I think she was interacting with like people, like uh, the people, Cornello. In, yeah, Cornello, and the yeah. and like the and different other people. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas like Envy just kind of pops in briefly to 
you know, take on a form and fuck with people. Yeah, pretty much. Greed was interacting with people, too. He actually had, like, friends, like chums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but they all knew he wasn't human. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, well, they all felt like they probably weren't either. Yeah. 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 They had a shared camaraderie. All the people he he was uh, friends with were also um, horrifying secrets kept by the military. (laughs) 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 Yes. Good old military. Well, I mean, yeah, well. Turns out they all know about everything, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Nothing can go wrong from here, right? Yeah, everyone's this... in, a, in a great place right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is, like, the bottom. <laughs> yeah. But it can't be because there's, like, so much left of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so much worse can happen. The next 50 chapters are just... In that void. In the void. Just, yeah. just more people coming there and then to at just the rebuild end... the, the world. <laughs> so a at, the end, at the end, Ed and Ed Ling and Envy just die in there. Can yeah. you imagine how long it would take Envy to die there? Yeah, that was another yeah. thing I was thinking about. So Starting annoying. Over and over, over and over. How annoying. <laughs> Maybe they speed like, up the process. <laughs> Maybe. Just just kill themselves over and over again. Like, I'm so tired of dying in this void. Yeah, I know. Sloshing around in the blood. Yeah. Ugh. If it was truly a void, you don't think that it would, like, fill up with blood or whatever, you know? Anyway, mm-hmm. whatever. I guess it's because it's fake. It's like, if the void is bottomless, how can you fill it with blood? Blood. <laughs> it's very, very deep, all right? <laughs> it has a walkable bottom. I mean, like, the the truth void had a, had a, a quote-unquote floor, so mm-hmm. it had a quote ground of some kind. I don't know. Mystery. Yeah. It didn't try to transmute uh, a hole in the, the truth. <laughs> it was, he had other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little distracted. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, I feel like the void, the part that we saw was like outside of the door. This is theoretically through the door, right? Mm-hmm. Like the door being equivalent mm-hmm. to Greed's gut. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, within there, who knows what's in there? They all got like torn apart by in their memories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their souls got all jumbled up <laughs> in theory so yeah a lot of things happened maybe there wasn't a floor <laughs> it's all all <laughs> metaphorical light bullshit or whatever <laughs> yeah maybe they were all just falling with no wind resistance <laughs> it was all a dream yeah a horrible dream and they were all in a coma for the last 10 years <laughs> They actually all fell. They used like um, this weird, like a sedative to keep them asleep, and they've gone deeper into the dream space now. (laughs) Time is now moving more slowly for them. (laughs) Only one more level until they get to limbo. Isn't that what they called it? Yeah, that is what they called it. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, Only one more level till they get to the beach. Yeah. (laughs) Someday they'll be able to actually inception gluttony into like. Like lust, like envy, or not a. They'll be able to inception gluttony into being like, Mustang wasn't the one who killed lust or whatever. Yes. <laughs> it was all part of the plan. <laughs> they'll be able to inception in like wrath into being like, you want to overthrow the plan, the homunculi's plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, good. I'm done with. Obviously, we're out of material. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good. What are we going to talk about next time? Oh, yeah, we got to do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we have to sign off. We have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's like we're going to talk about more Void. Uh, Probably. I chapters, assume that. <laughs> chapters 52 and 53. Well, A little bit longer on the two-by-two two train. Yeah. 
Yeah. Two by two. I was like, but that's not longer. That's exactly the same. Still two chapters. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, mm -hmm. Send us your uh, questions, comments, concerns for our, uh, <laughs> our special episode. Maybe not that many concerns. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> keep your complaints to yourself. <laughs> this isn't an open format. I mean, <laughs> you can send them, but be nice. <laughs> You're delicate. <laughs> yeah, we're like soft and gooey on the inside, like Knox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send us your questions. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Our frugal mm -hmm. episodes, equivalent episodes, were always good. So yeah, it should be fun. It was fun. Right. So yeah, send us your questions and uh, do the reading for next week. We will see you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. See you then. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.